Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat Podcast on the Serious Angler Network, presented by Rec Lending. And guys, today we've got a great show lined up. I am uh, I'm super excited to get this guy on. Followed along with his career in in the fishing industry, and have just watched uh, watched everything grow from uh, from a distance anyway, more than anything. But this will be his first appearance on Business from the Bass Boat, and that is none other than Mr. Clint Bartlett. What's going What's on, up, Clint? Guys, how's how's it going, man? Oh man, doing well, doing well. Can't complain. It's the time of year where it's like, man, I'm, I'm itching to get out and go fishing, especially oh, yeah. being up North. Like it is, it is go time. And, uh, you're a guy who's already been able to get out on the water some this year. Right. And, and also yep. chase guys around, but how's, uh, how's your start to 2024? Uh, it's been a good start, man. It's, uh, it actually started off a little rough ski and then we kind of got on a come up and like started to put our head down and grind. And, um, it's been good. Been all over the place. Uh, just been traveling around to the Bassmaster Opens. Going to be going to some Elite Series events, uh, filming, and uh, not quite fishing the Elites yet, but maybe one day. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> been good. Been good. I've been able to see a little bit of warm weather. Florida was way colder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, Wachita was a little chilly, um, but finally starting to get into a little bit warmer weather. I think Fork will be pretty pretty warm next week. So excited about that no doubt man well great well and and it's been it's been great to see all the all the different events starting this year seeing some of the live coverage that that folks are putting out um and right now as we're filming this right the elite series is going on on toledo but man oh, yeah. for folks who don't know who you are i guess what what's what's your role as far as in in some of this stuff how would you describe what you do and and what projects are you working on in 2024 all right so uh i'm cameraman cletus uh, basically <laughs> everybody calls me cletus when i'm out there on on the road uh i started yes. filming about six years ago and uh picked up a camera and that little camera's got me in some amazing places in my life man uh so picked up a camera picked up a drone started doing some drone stuff weddings and real estate all, all that kind of stuff through college and then uh started to expand and be like, okay, well, I got to figure out how to pay for this camera. How am I going to do this? And then, so that's when I really started to dive into, maybe I can try to find my way into the fishing industry somehow. Uh, I went to Western Carolina university. I was on the bass fishing team. We absolutely sucked. Like it wasn't like super big college fishing for us. It was like, we could afford one event and we showed up in an 88 Ranger and prayed it started. Like that was, that was that's it. Good. Like that was, that was how it went for college fishing for me. Um, and then like I fished out of a kayak, I had a 12 foot new canoe kayak that I had a trolling motor and my Yeti cooler was my seat and my live well. So like that's, I would jump into local derbs fishing out of that kayak on Lake Chatoog in Western North Carolina and just like tried to cut my teeth, get on the water however I could. Um, and then finally my senior year, I, I actually got an 88 Ranger and the old Danger Ranger it had a johnson gt 150 and the gt stood for get the truck man that thing broke down all the time <laughs> so so that was a lot of fun um but so i was in the fishing industry and then my senior year uh i ran across a guy named paul bork who actually uh worked for black rifle coffee company and uh so i started working with him uh, as a last ditch effort for an internship i was asking around all these places trying to get an internship somewhere and Went into my local tackle shop and a guy named Austin Neary was like, why don't you call Paul? So I 
was hitting Paul up for like two months. This is like November. I need an internship confirmed by like Christmas. And I'm hitting him up, hitting him up. Can't get a hold of him. Can't get a hold of him, whatever. And then he finally like, he finally calls me two days before my deadline of where I needed an internship. I couldn't find anything. And he's like, hey, look at your stuff. You start Monday. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, okay. And so Paul owned a media production company uh, called Drift Media and he was filming fish and TV shows, which I thought was so cool. So we filmed with uh, Frank Crescatelli with Fin Chasers. That uh, Frank is awesome. Shout out to Frank. Uh, but so I got went straight into filming TV shows where all I had filmed was like college tournaments and some things like that and a bunch of GoPro stuff and real estate. Like I had no idea how to use a big TV camera and film a TV show. Like it was crazy, but like Paul pretty much just threw me in was like, here's the red button, hit record and make sure you're in focus. And there's sometimes I wasn't in focus and I got, I got <laughs> bad rep for that for a little bit, but I learned and it, it was crazy to see like looking at stuff back from, 2018, 2019, when I was really start starting in that, that kind of stuff. And it was like, I learned at such a rapid pace being around somebody who's been in the industry for so long. Like Paul's has a laundry list of things he's done. He's been all over the place, all over the country, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Team USA fly fishing, like traveled all over the world. He's been that, a bunch of different countries filming all over the place. So I had somebody that was there to give me, give it to me straight. He's very, blunt and straight guy. And he was, he would be like, dude, this sucks. Like you gotta, you gotta fix this. Like, uh, and the, and then he's like, it, it was so hard to like, be like, am I doing this right? Doing this right No, he, he would just tell me when I messed up and I had to make sure I listened because like, as long as I fixed what I messed up, like I knew I was good. Like as long as I kept rolling with that stuff. And so, uh, we got to travel around. We started like the fishing, uh, division of black rifle coffee company, which was awesome. So I got to start, we had a giveaway boat and a truck. We we're giving away a boat and a truck and had to advertise this stuff for black rifle. And uh, so my job was to get, take this giveaway boat and truck to all of the Bassmaster opens and the elites. So I had a Toyota Tundra and a bass cat was our first giveaway, like an 18 foot bass cat. And I had to show up to all these events, show this uh, wrapped boat and truck. So I'd wake up at like one 30 in the morning, I'd start coffee. So it was a coffee company. So, our idea was boots on the ground, serve coffee at blast off and weigh in and like, let people know who black rifle coffee is. It's like, you see the same three booths at every single elite series or open event is like, why not like jump in there and be something different? Like everybody likes coffee. Right. And so, Dude, yeah. Huge. yeah. So we figured it was like, okay, the good way to get this giveaway out is show up to these events, give out coffee and we'll give them free coffee. If they sign up for the giveaway, it was like, okay, easy. Like let's make it happen. So I went around and started doing that and uh, we ended up getting a, almost a million signups in three months of running that campaign. Like it was crazy. Wow. And then, so we gave away the boat and the truck. Long story short, uh, did that for a couple of years, did a couple different giveaways and that was really cool. But I got to travel all over to literally the best bass fishing lakes in the country because I'm going off the open schedule and the elite series schedule. So okay. I've never flipped grass in my life and I got to go flip grass on Gunnersville and catch some big ones. And then, uh, we went down to Texas and uh, all over the place, Fish Lake Fork. Like it was so cool because I, I growing up in Western North Carolina, I'd fished trout, clear water fisheries and stuff. I'd never seen a blade of grass in my life when it came to fishing. So it was like really cool to be able to, me being an angler as well, I could film, but then also like learn along the way of like all the fishing stuff. And so 
Um, we did, did that and like covered all our anglers like Zaldane and Welcher and Stetson Blaylock and those guys. And like, it was really cool to be, be around that atmosphere. Cause like at this point, like when I walked up to Zaldane, like, I was like, that's Chris Zaldane. Like I was freaking out. Like, I was like, this is awesome. Like I, I was like, yeah. these are and swindle. Like I was starstruck. I was like, I, I didn't know what to do, but now it's really cool that like you see the inside and the actual business of in the bass boat, like how that stuff goes on behind the scenes. Cause like I made friends with all the Bassmaster staff, see how that whole productions run. Like Bassmaster is insane how they get stuff done, how well everything flows, how well everything is run. Like they do such a great job at making sure that everybody's in the right place. Everybody's taken care of. And like, if there's something that goes wrong, like I remember there's a, uh, an event where one of their camera camera guys didn't have a camera boat because the camera boat broke down or something. I'm like, Hey, I've got this black rifle giveaway boat right now. It's got no hours on it. It's got a motor. It runs. I was like, I'll, I'll take you out. Like, uh, so Dalton Tumbling jumped in my boat on fork and we went out on fork and I'm scared because it's fork and I'm <laughs> dodging stumps, like trying to camera <laughs> boat. And, but like, it was like cool because I had opportunities like that. So if something went wrong, like I was able to kind of step in and help, which was kind of cool too. So uh, that did that so with Black cool. Rifle for a few years and then um, kind of bounced around. I've lived all over the place. I lived in Dallas, Texas for a couple of years. My girlfriend is getting her, uh, she's about to get her doctorate here in May. So we're finally excited. Like it's finally coming, but she's been working on it for a few years uh, in occupational therapy. So with that, she's had to travel. Cool. So we lived in Dallas, Texas for a little over a year. Uh, so I got to experience like going out to Ivy and going out to Fork and Possum Kingdom and stuff like that. So that was a cool change for me um, a, a few years ago doing that. And then we moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, didn't do any fishing there, but did a ton of snowboarding and that was pretty awesome. So yeah, got, had that experience and then uh, ended up moving down to Lake Lanier last year. Um, and so I've been, I, I used to, when I was in college, I would travel and go down to Lanier because it was such an awesome fishery still is the best spotted bass fishery in the country, in my opinion. Dude, and that is so a nucleus place for me. Oh, like that has always go. been like that is one of those that's like I that is like I mean, you just see well, you've you've seen some of the Western guys, right? Like um, who am I thinking of that moved down there? Um who's the super tall guy, dude? And he'll still fish stuff out west. Fishing, yeah. Um gosh, what is his not, name? Not Brett Hyde. It's not Brett Height. It's no, uh uh <sighs> guy from Northern California. Um originally fishing fishing the bpt um Cody look up no no he's he still lives here in idaho yeah, yeah he's um, still yeah he still commutes i, know. I, I, I I'm, i've been so diehard bassmaster that i'm sorry dude you guys I, mean, I am <laughs> i am the same way here lately and i like i'm not even trying to be biased about it like i love yeah. watching all live fishing but when you were talking about the live coverage for bass that is yeah. exactly I was having that conversation literally this morning with somebody like this is the first elite series event. Right. So we're seeing the mm -hmm. full, the full coverage from bass. And it's just like, I don't know what it is, but I totally feel like there is a upped level of coverage between the NPFL and, and MLF. I'm not saying there's anything negative to those brands, just for whatever reason, it flows so well. And it is, is just yeah. like, it, make, it, it makes it more. And I feel, it feels like home, man. Like I feel like w with bass, like no matter which side, of, of the fence you sit on, like there's reasons guys like Jordan Lee come back. There's reasons that you have Brandon, Brandon Polinick and Swindle came back pretty early. Like there's reasons people want to be at bass. There's reasons people like Chris Saldane and Seth fighter stayed. 
like they were making a big risk by staying and everybody talks oh, yeah. about the split all the time, but like that was a big risk, but they went with that gut move and they're, and they're still there and they're happy. You know, like that's the biggest thing with bass is like, they always work to make sure they bass has stayed who bass is. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but MLF has been a sinking ship all over the place. They're, they're over here doing this. They're over here doing that. Like, don't want to throw too much shade shade on them, but like they've yeah, yeah. never been a consistent bass has always been very consistent. So it's been easy to right. follow. Like I can't keep up with all the different changes. Day one group A, B, C, and Z. Like I, I can't keep up with that kind of stuff. So bass always being a five fish format, staying consistent has definitely helped as a fan to keep up. And then the guys are just so awesome over there too. So, right. Totally. Totally. I remember the guys, Jared Littner. So I'm talking about, oh, so he that's right, from, that's right. yes. from Northern California. He, but he same deal yeah. like, I, I think I heard one time on a podcast, he was like, it was like the w most Western, uh, just incredible spotted bass lake, just everything yeah. around where he's like, you know, cause I've thought through that. And it's been great to interview different people from different places of like, if I were to ever move East, where would yeah. it be? And to me, it's like, I'm interested in the Carolinas. I think those are a neat place. Yep. Um, I haven't spent any time fishing them though. And then same with that Northern Georgia and and places like yep. Lanier, like that's some of th that stuff to me exactly. is all uh, intriguing with the clear water. Because and what's crazy is I like two weeks ago, I was catching spotted bass in 75 feet of water on the bottom. Like I was dropping down like, a jig and wrap 70, 70 feet and jig and wrapped it all the way up to 15 foot and caught a four and a half pound spot and boat flipped it on 10 pound. Like oh where else can God. you do that? You know, yeah. like it's, it's so awesome. Like, and the four consistency, and like the, the biggest thing about Lanier is like, if you had never been there and let's say you do have live scope and you've never been there and you go around, you're going to be like, Oh, that's a big one. Oh, that's a big one. Oh, that's a big one. And oh, he followed, he didn't eat. And you're going to pull up to the next pocket. Oh, there's big ones in here. There's fish here too. It's dude, dude, everywhere, every pocket you pull up to, there's fish there. The biggest thing is like, that's why I'm a terrible run and gun fisherman. And Lanier is trying, trying its hardest to teach me how to be a run and gun guy because I'm a <laughs> soaker, man. Like I, I, I will go into an area and fish 600 yards of bank and not worry about it. But like the reason it's so run and gun is because like, if you're not finding active fish on Lanier, you're losing. Like, especially when it's like brush pile season, if you don't have a hundred brush piles to run, like you're not going to catch five because you can literally run 80 brush piles and only catch three fish. And it's because like, if you don't find them at that right place, right time kind of thing and find those active fish. There's fish everywhere. There's healthy fish everywhere. It's yeah. just trying to f figure out that pattern of like, all right, these fish hit more. There's, this is more of like a morning bite. Like there's always like this weird morning cranking bite out on Lanier. Like, they will not eat a crankbait throughout the day. I'm sure plenty of old timers will tell me they ate a crankbait all day. But like for me, at least like I, I can only get them to eat a crankbait in that first hour and that last hour, like low light crankbait deal. But you can, you can get on it. But like it's crazy that like there's so it's so hard to replicate a pattern without running all over the lake and like trying to do something different. But it's an awesome place like you can get. I mean, it, it hasn't taken less than 20 pounds to win a tournament. And I think in like, it's some ridiculous number. It's like the past six months or something like that. It hasn't taken it's less insane. than 20 to win or to be and like, even to be in the money. Like sometimes it's, it's 20 plus and it's all spots. And then like, trust me, pl plenty of guys weigh in like a big large mouth every now and again. But like, it's such a healthy, like it, you can, it, I've de been desensitized a little bit because I ha had my buddy Ian come down from Hickory 
And like, we always try to do like a boys trip a couple times a year kind of thing and go yeah. fishing. Like he's my best fishing buddy. And uh, so he comes down and we're having a tough grinder day. It's like four o'clock and we've got like one fish in the boat, like super tough. Mm-hmm. And I catch I like catch a four and a half pounder on a finesse jig. And I'm just like sitting there like, oh, it's a good one. And, but like, it's just so desensitized because like it, anybody else would be like, it's a four and a half pound spot. Like that's a giant spot. And I'm sitting there like, put it in the well, like not even thinking about it, but it's just so crazy that like a four pounder is almost an average fish out there because it's like, you're either catching like a rat spot or it's like between three and five pounds. Like it's crazy. But like when you come across that quality is like when it really, but there's so few and far between sometimes like you, you can catch a four pounder on this area of the lake and then run down to the next area, not catch anything and then go to the next place and they catch another four pounder. It's like, that's how these guys are catching them is just running all over the place. Like, and there wasn't really a good steady ditch bite over the winter. Like it's known for like posting up and catching 30 fish out of a ditch. But like this year they were all the smaller caliber fish. It was like all two and three pounders that were loaded in the ditch. And like, there's probably a couple of times I wasn't on the water that there, the big ones did pull up in there, but like, it seemed like the fish really stayed pretty main lake this year, this winter at least. So. Yeah. Dang dude. That place is like, yeah. I mean, I I think spots are some of my, they probably are my favorite out of the three species to target. And you know, like there's, I like places too, that are, that are versatile with them, but there's a lake actually in Colorado that had all three species, right? Large mouth, small mouth and spots. And it, no, no, no giants from that perspective. I think the biggest spot I've ever caught in there is like maybe three and a half pounds, but it's always it's been spot for anywhere, anywhere. Else, right. You know? Especially I just Colorado. love that versatility. Yeah. Right. Right. And I fished yeah. the Toyota series championship this last year and that was on table rock. Right. And it's the same yeah. deal, right? Like you, you, mm-hmm. what was cool about that place to me is like, you had no idea, like they'd be all out there together. Like you'd, and yeah, like sometimes exactly. the large mouth seem to be deeper, but like you'd be, you know, fish would be busting on shad and be like, Oh, there's a small mouth. There's a spot. There's a lot of like, you just were like, Holy yep. crap. Like, I just, that stuff's so cool to me. I think it's so cool when fish mix like that. Like, so Lanier, the big spots are around the striper a lot. Okay. So you can literally okay. be ca- like, like I, I like to call it cricket tickling, uh, which like, instead of hover strolling, I'm not, I'm we not just, a fan dude, of We hover, just talked about strolling. this on the, on the yeah. uh, fantasy yeah, vision show. Our new, it's our yeah. new, Wait, you, did you post that? Someone posted that comment. Yeah, no, that was me. That was me. Dude, yeah. that's our new, you have no idea how much that has yeah. changed this in just a couple yeah. of days. Like that so, is our new, I've told that to too many people uh, this week about, hey, we're going to start calling it cricket tickling. And then Bailey yeah. today, uh, we were talking about it all and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go mess out, mess around, go try some cricket tickling later. Like we were just, we're, it's, a, it's the new term, dude. You started a it trend. Is. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, I, so cricket tickling came from, uh, we, uh, so Ryan Hanks from cast fishing, uh, we, I've yep. been working with them doing a lot okay. of stuff with them the past few years. And, uh, so they are a company from Australia. Um, Ryan Hanks is from the Lake Lanier area and his business partners are out of Australia. So they were a strictly saltwater company and, um, they made these big stick baits for GT. So catching giant, giant Trevally, out in Australia on the great barrier reef, like crazy big lures. I wish I had one with me. Um, but so what, what they did was, uh, hit uh, Ryan Hanks and then his buddy, Eddie Kraut that lives on Lanier. Uh, Eddie had like a new, new popping set up and he wanted to go try it out. So they went out on Lanier, uh, because they had that trip coming up that weekend. He was like, let's run out in the boat. And like, I just want to make sure like my line's good. My knot's good. All this stuff. He like, yeah. he slings it over a brush pile, this big 60 gram 
OG, like a six, seven inch bait weighs like a, a little over, like an ounce and a half almost and yep. catches like a five pound spot. And they're like, whoa, like they're like, I was not meant to catch a, a spot on this big, giant, black, plain stick bait. And so from there, like the light bulb went off and they started working on like, okay, if we make it smaller. So they made a 40 gram. And then that's when like the OG craze happened on Lanier, like two, two and a half, three years ago. And so that's when I first got involved with cast was I um, reached out. It's crazy how social media is. I literally had saw one in Hammonds, had no idea who they were. I didn't even live down on Lanier. Like I was passing through, I was going to fish Lanier or I was on my way to the classic actually in Texas. And I, I was like, okay, I got to stop at Hammonds on my way to, on my way to Texas. I was like, I'm going to stop at Hammonds. So we went out of the way 20 minutes. I saw this bait and I was like, that's the coolest herring presentation topwater bait I've ever seen. It's made out of balsa. It's a cool stick bait and bought it. And so a couple of weeks go by, I take a picture of it on social media and tag cast in it because I was like, oh, it's the bait, bait company, whatever. And he messages me back instantly. And it's like, Hey man, thanks so much for throwing our bait, whatever. And I was like, I was like, hey, dude, like if I ever get message back from a company, I'm always like, hey, man, I'm a videographer. Like if you ever need anything, like I'm around, this is the area I'm in. Like I'm totally willing to help you guys out with any type of content. Literally yeah. two nights later, I get on a phone call with Ryan and then uh, Mick Guthrie that's in Australia. So the other co-owner of Cast. And we we have a chat and he's like, he's like, yeah, man, let's like this OG bites happening right now. Like let's film it. And so we literally set up a time to film like a month later uh, when that bite bite was getting really good. And we had like 22 pounds for four fish or something like that. And literally like it was, it was one of those days where it was 10 hours of filming and we got four bites and I got them all on camera. I was like so happy. Cause it was like one of the, those, those are the days that are hard, man. Like you can press that red button all you want to, but if you miss four bites and you only get four bites, like, Oh, it's it's brutal. tough and so uh that's where it all started with cast and it was it was really cool so i got to have that experience with them and then now we've been working on soft plastics we've got the prodigy which yeah. is uh the sweet little soft plastic swim bait i caught on the first prototype prodigy i got it was when the ditch fishing was good on the near and i caught 30 fish on the same swim bait and did not have to take it super glue it nothing like it was, i was like this thing is durable and it still has action i was like it's pretty cool and then now we have a straight tail bait. Uh, so that's the original cricket tickler. And so a couple months ago where this whole long story was going, uh, a couple months ago, Eddie, Eddie would always call it his cricket. He'd be like, Oh, he bit my cricket and didn't, didn't get it. And so yeah. when this whole strolling thing came out and we started fishing this echo on a jig head and we were doing it, I was like, I was like, dude, I'm just cricket tickling, man. I'm just tickling this cricket, trying to get a bite. And uh, so we want to, we want to make a hoodie with the echo, like a picture of the echo with some cricket legs on it and call and say, hashtag cricket tickling down the sleeve. Oh, dude. Pretty cool. So that work that's in the works. It's in the works, but uh, yeah, that's where cricket tickling was born, but there's where it was. Well, that's awesome, man. So I had Ryan on the show a while ago, long time ago. And dude, he ended up sending me uh, a couple of OGs, a down under, and then uh, some of the, I think you said the prodigy. They're they're yeah. they're little swim. The prodigy's a swim bait. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what it was then. And so I've I've had some great success on all of them. The the thing that stuck out to me was I messed around. I was fishing. This was again a couple of years ago. I was fishing the delta as a co angler and jumped in the back okay. of the boat and and just was fun fishing right. And I was like, oh no, this might have been as a boater. 
maybe it was the first time I went to the Delta as a boater, but either way, I picked up an OG in black, right? Like like mm-hmm. after, yeah. was after the black talking chrome. Really shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The black and chrome one. And dude, I started doing all the stuff, probably the videos that you filmed. I watched some yeah. of that stuff. And dude, I caught a three and a half pounder and a four pounder back to back on the Delta. Heck yeah, that's awesome. I was like, this is sweet. This thing is badass. So it was yeah. uh those are cool baits, man. Super unique to the freshwater world. You know what I mean? Definitely. And then like they always so the biggest thing we have they have promoted in general is just blurring the lines between freshwater and saltwater. So like a lot of saltwater baits don't work in freshwater, a lot of freshwater baits don't work in salt, whatever. But it's been pretty cool to take a bait that's literally from the Great Barrier Reef and go catch a spotted bass, a smallmouth and a largemouth on it, and then striper. And like we still haven't caught a muskie on it yet, but that, that, that's they would definitely eat it if we put it in the right yeah. place. Like it's coming. Uh, I've caught crappy on the prodigy and like all kinds of stuff. Like it's really cool to be able to bridge, blur those lines between the two. Like it is a, a definitely a, an awesome thing. But right. Yeah. No, dude. Well, I, I, it, a great company and I'm glad that you're uh, still rolling with them. I guess one question that I didn't go through. So what prompted the move to, to Georgia? Was it just like, you were like, man, I've, I've spent some time on, on this place. I love the lake in itself or, or what was like the, the reason for that? So it was actually pretty ironic. So I was, at um, I was filming around with a couple clients and like things kind of weren't working out where I was at. And so I was kind of looking to go some uh, kind of a different direction. I was, um, still, still filming some stuff here and there, but I was like, I want to like kind of change directions. And so me and Ian went for his birthday trip down to Lanier and I was living in North Carolina at the time. I just, uh, moved back to North Carolina after Utah, we lived in Utah. And then I went back to live with some family in North Carolina for a couple months to kind of figure, figure life out kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so me and Ian went down in May for his birthday and, uh, to go fish Lanier for a few days. And we ended up running into, uh, we were with my buddy Eddie Kraut that I talked about, and then we ran into um, one of his buddies on the water that owns a real estate firm. And um, so he was like, "Hey, man, like I just posted a, a listing for a videographer. I need somebody to do some video work, some content stuff." And I was like, "I'm your guy. I'm like, I'm looking for something else. Like, I want to do something different." And I saw it as an opportunity to kind of step out of the fishing industry for a minute and like try to. And then I was like, "Okay, this gives me the best of both worlds." Because yes, I'm not on the water all the time filming. But if I have like kind of a steady nine to five in a, in a way, then I can have all this time and I can move down to Lanier and be closer to like my, one of my favorite lakes I've ever fished. And so took that opportunity and just like picked up and moved. Like I had to move within like a week. Like, and so I picked wow. up all my stuff, like found a ran or tiny little house and uh, it had a car, like my stipulation was, I was like, this house has a carport for the boat. Like it's, it's going to happen. It. And then, yep. I was like, this will work. And so uh, come to find out the driveway is huge, but the street in front of my driveway is about like a lane and a half wide. So yeah, getting right. yeah. the, getting the boat in is a song and a dance. I got to kind of curve it a little bit to get it up and turned around. Oh yeah, but Like it ended up working out. So I was, I'm 12 minutes from the boat ramp there. So like I'm able to pop in, go right over to Lanier. And like when I lived in the mountains, every single lake was, within 30 to 30 minutes to an hour. But I mean, it was always like a lake having a lake 30 minutes to an hour away versus having it in your backyard is such a big difference. And then like, there's plenty of people that drive one, two, three hours just to go fishing all the time. So like when I lived in Dallas, like that was how that was. And that was terrible. I didn't get to fish near as much. I had like my boat was 40 minutes North and then I had to pick it up 
And then if I wanted to go out to Possum Kingdom, it was another two hours. If I wanted to go to Ivy, it was another four hours. Like it was always like a song and a dance to make that happen. So took the opportunity, moved down there, started doing the real estate stuff. Um, and that that worked out. It was great uh, for the time being. And then uh, things kind of shifted and went some different ways at the beginning of the year of like, it just wasn't, wasn't working out. wasn't where the direction his business needed to go. So I was like, okay, like this might be the time to jump back into the fishing industry. Um, so like, I kind of always had that to fall back on and then uh, kind of called call around to some of my buddies and then ended up um, getting led in the right direction to film for a couple guys. So I'm uh, filming with some guys from the, uh, that are fishing the EQs this year. So I'm filming with Brett Cannon uh, from West cool. Texas or he's actually from uh, Okeechobee, but he, they, he guides on OHIV. Dalton yeah. Smith, who's from Kentucky, and he also guides on OHIV. And then Caden Cowan is from Stephenville, Texas, and he guides on Ivy. So it's the Ivy boys, basically, but they're all chasing the dream of the EQs this year. And so they wanted to do a series. So we're working on that. It's a secret, I guess, and not so secret anymore. But um, so we should start posting within the next week. So um, should be good to go there. But um, very excited to chase an actual tournament series because in all the filming i've done i've done so many shoots for companies and all the, all this stuff like uh, i've never been able to like actually do the kyle vandever vandever like chasing right. a, a guy on the water you know like right. i've done camera boats for tv shows and stuff like that but like actually chasing that dream and telling that story i thought it was really cool to put together like an actual tournament film and so i'm really excited about that that'll be coming out here in the next few weeks i'm not sure what that's going to be called yet, but keep an eye on the socials and stuff and we'll have that out soon. So that's been pretty cool. So I'm going to all nine opens and then going to be doing some stuff with a uh, couple of lead series guys, hopefully here in the next few weeks and uh, get some stuff rolling there. So definitely have a packed schedule doing stuff with cast, the opens um, and then editing some podcasts for a couple of different uh, people in the industry. So Definitely got my plate full this year, so I'm excited about that, but it's got me absolutely all over the place. Right now I'm in Texas. I'll be back in Georgia, and then I go to Santee, so I'll be all over the place. But No doubt, man. That's great. And that's and that's uh, the, the camera guys, I mean the videographer, photographers that follow all this stuff, right? Like it is such a um, – it's a gig industry, right? Like you, you have to yeah. kind of – get your name out there, get brought on who someone is going to do something. And then you got to make sure that a, they're going to pay you uh, number one and number that's two, the hardest just, part. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. that's, that's the thing to me is like these guys and it's, it's like your Kyle's right. Like those type of yeah. guys, I mean, they're known for what they do. Like it is like, Holy cow, this is, this is such a cool, unique perspective. And especially that was kind of like the first of like the true following of a, of a guy like Brandon, but man, mm -hmm. it is like, it is a grind, right? Like, and you even said, like, I wanted to take a little, little break and try this real estate thing out, check this other side. And that's, what's nice about that business is at least you're, you're building skills yeah. to, to utilize that. Maybe if you do want to shoot a couple weddings or whatever it is, right? Like exactly. you're, you're learning the same concepts, but like your passion yeah. is the fishing yeah. stuff. I mean, so what made that was it, was it a burnout factor to go into the real estate stuff? Was it like, Hey, this is more stable. And then obviously now you're, you're back in it, but what was the reasoning yeah. for, for kind of going that, that route to check it out? Um, I would say the biggest thing was definitely stability. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a crazy road, chasing money, chasing people around and chasing down contracts all the time and trying to chase down gigs. Like it, it's, it's definitely taxing, man. Like it, it takes a lot, like it, you can go through struggles, you can go through, 
people not paying you for one month, two months, six months I've had happen. Like it's, it's crazy. Like um, it's a tough industry. And so I was just like, okay, I need, I'm struggling right now. I need to find something a little more stable. So I looked to the real estate side as more of like something that could be a little more stable and it, and it was stable for what I needed. Um, and then like the still, but still, no matter what you're doing, the stability is not guaranteed. And so like, I kind of went through that and realized that, that it was not guaranteed. And so um, I kind of had my back against the wall and was like, okay, I either try to go find something else that's safe and comfortable, which is probably what I should have done. But I went with my gut and went <laughs> and chased the passion again and jumped into yeah. doing all these opens and all this stuff. So the biggest thing for me is you got to trust your gut. Like no matter how much your back's against the wall, how, how hard things get, it's not going to be easy. But like, if you're a good person, the things will come around. And I, I like, I have people tell me all the time, you're too nice. Like, why are you getting taken advantage of all this stuff? And I probably have gotten taken advantage of plenty of times, but like my heart's always in the right place. Like at the end of the day, I want to tell your story to help your brand, to help you grow. And like, if I can't do my job in telling your story, then like, I should like that. That's the main goal is like, if I can't help you t tell your story of your brand and who you are, then I'm not doing my job. But if I do show up and I do my job and I tell that story and I don't get paid at the end of the day, I ran into that a lot. Like it was like, that okay, is crazy. I'm, delivering, I'm delivering everything. I'm pouring my heart out. I'm fronting everything on a credit card and it's still like not paid out at the end of the day. And like, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, it's a terrible thing. Like, don't don't go do it. But like, be aware of the fact that like, if you don't have the proper contracts in place and you don't have the proper like get a deposit up front and things like that, like people, clients don't like that stuff because like they, they like it and they don't at the same time. Because a lot of it, it's like one of those things like, yeah, you'll get paid. You'll get paid. Like I've been told that plenty of times, but like up front, it's abrasive when you're like, okay, I need $2,500 up front before I even show up. And they're like, oh, like, I don't even know what kind of work you do and all this, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, like, here's my list of referrals. Talk to these people. And that's where like, when you start, uh, like when you start out fresh and don't have that, you have to do things for free. You have to jump in and do all this stuff. And, but then that's also what hurts the industry too. Cause you got one guy that's a thousand dollars a day and you got one guy that's $300 a day. They're going to go with a cheaper guy every time. But what happens is that guy that's doing charging a thousand dollars a day gets jobs turned down and turned down and turned down. And he's broke. Like he, he, he goes broke because the guy that's doing it for cheap, cheap, cheap is like lowering his value. And right. so like, that's where a lot of guys in the industry, there's a reason you see 50 camera guys on the elite series now, whereas last year it was 30. And then the year before that it was 10. Like there's a reason you see 50 guys and you only know five of them. Like there's a reason that you only know about those five that are killing it and crushing it because like they, they put the time, their time in and they, they put the work in to do their thing and they're trying to hold their value in what they're doing. But also you look at those five and they're still doing other stuff on the side like that. Yeah. Chasing an elite series guy, it's great and everything, but it's only nine tournaments and that doesn't pay a full-time salary. Like as much as you want it to, it doesn't. And like, no matter how good you are, how much passion you have, how well you tell the story at the end of the day, it's not feasible for the angler to pay a full-time salary. And right. it's not feasible for the camera guy to make that either because like you only have nine tournaments, you only have nine events to go to and things like that. So you have guys that do weddings, real estate, uh, 
Kyle goes all over the world and does all kinds of crazy stuff in between. And he's one of those five guys. Right. Like, it's like, it's not something you can jump in and go all in and be like, okay, I'm going to film fishing because like, that's where I've ran into. Like I tried to jump in and do it as my main gig and it's, it's hard. And so uh, my biggest advice is just like, even if you do go all in, you got to have a plan B and a plan C and something on the side because where I messed up was I would work with one client and stay with one client and then I'd be faithful and put all my time into one client. And if you can find a way to have one, two, three, four clients and be good to all of them, but not drown yourself. Like that's like finding that balance is very hard and I'm still working to find that balance. But like, if you don't have it coming in from a couple different streams, like it's impossible to make it a full-time thing. And so like, I considered working at Chick-fil-A last year. Like I was like, yeah, I have to go to Chick-fil-A and uh, start, start working there. And just to be able to fill in those times between, you got a long period between tournaments, you've got all these different things. But the hardest part is with this job is you're obligated to travel for in the middle of the week, multiple times. So it's like, I can't go work at Chick-fil-A because like, I can't be like, Hey, I'm pieced out for the next two weeks while I'm in Texas. And then, Oh yeah. And two weeks I'll be gone for another week. Like in that off time, I'm editing now, but like before it was like, I don't, I don't know what to do in the off time, but I can't get like a full-time brick and mortar job to, to support that. So like, it's definitely one of those things that's not easy, but I'm in it for the dream, man. Like being yeah. in the boat with these guys, that is awesome. Like when I got to film some TV show stuff with Black Rifle, I got to be around Brandon and, and hang out with Brandon and see like the way he fishes, the way he breaks down water or like all, all these different guys. Chris Saldane's awesome. Been able to be around him a bunch. Kyle Welcher, like uh, those were the guys with Black Rifle, but then all kinds of other guys, Luke Palmer. Um, he caught a dang hammer stud today, by the way, at Toledo Bend. Yeah, he just got did some text from his camera guy. Like he, I'm, pretty sure it's like nine and a half something like that so uh but he, he's an awesome dude um but then there's just so many good guys on the elites that i've been around and like i could have been the kid that's a co- college fishing a guy that was in college fishing and looking at all these elite series pros and being like god what would it be like if i met that guy one day like it'd be so cool to meet him for five seconds out of classic when he's busy like it would be the coolest thing in the world but i've got to spend time in these guys elements, talking to these guys, telling them my life story and all this stuff, like it's stuff I would have never dreamed of five years ago. And it's all because I got a GoPro my freshman year of college and started filming my trout fishing videos. Like, it's crazy. Like it goes from there and my terrible, I've got like terrible music video I made back in the day, like all kinds of crazy stuff. And at the end of the day, I don't regret any of it because it has put me to the point where I've had experiences I could, have never, never gotten before. So it is Dude. worth it. I know we talk about pay and all this stuff, but like money is paper that gets you through life, man. Like I have never looked at it as, as the goal. Money has never been the carrot, the dream and the experience of life. If I die tomorrow, that's my carrot. That's what I'm after every single day. Like if I die tomorrow, I'm okay. Like it's easy to forget all, all the business stuff and all, all of the money and technical side of life. And you can get so washed up into that. Like, I got to make money. I got to do this. I got to do that. But like at the end of the day, when you can step back, even when life is so stressful and you're worried about paying the, the light bill next month, you look back and you're like, okay, but am I happy? Am I like truly doing what I love and having experiences that I'll never forget and be able to tell these stories 
for the rest of my life. Like that's, that's ultimately, I want to be able to tell my client stories. I want to be able to tell my own stories, like, and look back at my YouTube channel from five years ago when I was in college and look at that story. It's all stories. Like that's what I love about videos. You're telling a story at the end of the day. And so like, that's, what's super important to me is building up that giant story. Maybe I'll write a book one day. Who knows? But there you go. I love it, dude. I think this is juice. I mean, all the, all the stuff you're talking about, like I have, I've had Jake Latondras on a couple of times and just, and awesome, he was dude. actually awesome dude. And, and, was surprising man this is wild we didn't even know this at the time we did the first podcast he lives five minutes from me uh, in colorado in colorado <laughs> he lives five minutes away and so literally really? after the podcast we went and grabbed a beer at his bar and we talked for yeah. like three hours right just about That's everything awesome. his experiences yeah. and, and, but that is one thing i've always noticed with him right is like he's filming the elite series he's super tight with everything when it comes to Bassmaster and and all these different things but at the end of the day man he's still chasing, chasing some awesome gigs, uh, with, with 100%. hunting guys across the world. Right. He has yeah. had the outfitting business and the waterfowl stuff. And then he's got a bar, yeah. like he's always got multiple streams, right. From that perspective, yeah. um, just because of that. But like for him out of all the things he did uh, or has done, he's like that feeling of like with these guys on the elites when they're going to win an event, right. Or anything yeah. like that. Like, He's getting to share that with the world, A. Yeah. But B, he's getting to experience that, like those feelings, right? Like my favorite yeah. part of tournament fishing is is those moments, those feelings of like catching a big one on tournament day. He's getting to vicariously kind of see all that firsthand with the best in the world. Exactly. Like his Christie story, like being with Christie that day, he like didn't make it, and then being there when he won, too, right? Like, like that stuff that like he will Chills. never forget. Christie will never forget. You know, like that's those things like you're a part of that. And like what I like that I'm definitely seeing a shift with Bassmaster, especially is they have finally made a shift for so long TV shows, everything like the camera guy was a fly on the wall that nobody knew about. And I right, think right. Kyle was one of the first ones that was able to like, he was the first cameraman that was really ever acknowledged and that he wasn't even filming for Bassmaster, but I'll get there. But like, so Brandon like incorporated Kyle into the videos and like, you got to see that side. You got to see a little bit, like a little peek of the behind the scenes. Well, now Bassmaster, they're actually talking about Jake. They're talking about Brian Evie. They're talking about these guys behind the lens. And because those guys are there all the time, putting in their time and like nobody, nobody sees that. It's hard for the camera guy to get respect when they, nobody knows they're on the other side of the lens, you know, but they're, they're in there. Like they're on the St. Lawrence river in the four footers with all the anglers, but nobody knows that. You know, they're worried about trashing their equipment or like, I'm pretty sure a live camera went down at St. Lawrence last year. Right. Like I, th I think they took a, a wave over the bow and lost a live camera or something like that. Like, right. Like all that stuff, nobody hears about that stuff. And that's what one thing, like I've always wanted to try to talk about through, through my content and things like I I've tried to start my own content, like really start talking about camera gear and being a camera guy in the outdoor industry because nobody, nobody talks about it. Even the greats don't, really talk about it because one they don't have time but like it's it's one of those things it's like the guy behind the scenes that's making everything happen and you, you don't you don't see that right no man and and uh it, that that is i think a, such a need to be talked about a and i just appreciate your openness and honesty just around it like look man it's a tough road there's no doubt yeah. about it you know and talking through like i don't think that's just something 
that needs to be a, a word of caution to anyone interested. That's what the show was created on was to talk about folks in the industry and and how they're making things work from an entrepreneurial perspective. And it's like the caution to the fishing industry is it is an incredible. It's an incredibly small industry from a, a people standpoint. It's a great industry, but man, it is it is not a place where you're going uh, the vast majority anyway to go and get wealthy, right? Like it is a. Yeah. It is, a, a dream. it is a thing out of love and, yep. and passion for the sport. And it is it can be a very tough way to make a living at the end of the day. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, it's fishing. We're fishing gypsies, man. We're out, we're out here just trying to chase the dream. But one one special thing about the fishing fishing industry, though, I've noticed this after being at every single Bassmaster Classic the past six years, is like, yeah, it's so small. But then you see the numbers that Bass posts, like 160,000 people showed up at this classic or whatever. Like you see like the impact of like how big this industry is. You see the guys that are huge in the industry only have 100,000 followers. Like, and that's the max, like five guys or whatever. They, they're they like right. up there and it's like, it seemed like such an untapped market. But the cool thing is, is I can go to the Bassmaster Classic and I can, let's, let's say, I think we met at the classic last year. Yeah, but yeah. So I can run into somebody like you haven't, haven't talked to you, but like knew of you, whatever. Yeah. But then, you know, 50 people in my network of people yeah. that I can call, call right now. And it's like, you are one person removed from knowing somebody else in the fishing industry that you guys totally. have a mutual friend. That's I can talk point. to, I can bring up any, anybody in the industry. I can be like, okay, uh, do you know Dalton Tumblin who shoots for Bassmaster? And you could be like, maybe, maybe not. And then, but it's like, okay, his, his friend, this, like, you know, oh, you know, Shane Durant or who, whoever it is. Right, it's like, it's right. crazy to know like, oh yeah, I worked with him back when we worked with AFCO or, or what, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but it's just crazy how you are literally one person removed from knowing somebody else in the, in the fishing industry, no matter how big, like I've ran into people in random airports in Salt Lake city or Dallas, Texas, or ran into old guy on the water that was like, oh dude, I'm from Mint Hill. Like where, where you grew up outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's like, I'm from Mint Hill and I went to Western and I was like, like how, how, and that's, what's so cool is like, you see fishermen are one of the niche hobby sports, whatever you want to talk about it is I can go talk to a 95 year old man about fishing at a gas station right now, right. or I can talk to a 12 year old kid that watches Brandon Polinick on, on YouTube, or I can talk to whoever, but like if I run into a random stranger, no matter where I'm at and they are involved in fishing or they're wearing a hat or, or something like that, you can literally strike up a conversation with them. If they have a Tom Brady jersey on, you probably aren't going to go talk to that guy about Tom Brady. Right, right. It might like say something like that, but like it's not going to be near the connection of like, I literally like I've sold random things on Marketplace or bought things on Marketplace and been like, yeah, yeah, hey yeah. man, say the number, like we'll go fishing. And I've like taken, taken people fishing sometimes, yeah. you know, like, it's crazy that like, it's like, oh yeah, like I do this. Oh, you know this guy, you know that guy. Oh, that's cool. Like, it's so crazy how small and big the industry is in, in general, but it's pretty cool. Dude, dead on. No, it is super neat. And I agree. There's a connection there where like you start to talk to somebody about these things that, that we love. And uh, it just, it is such a deeper connection. Same deal. I'm a, I'm a very people's person. So I've literally had those same conversations on a Facebook marketplace meetup. I'm buying something or selling exactly. something and, and especially if it's fishing related and then you get to talking and guess what? They know this person, they know this person. And 
oh hey i fished that lake a couple of years ago you know it just it's a it's such a cool uh it's a connective uh environment for sure it definitely um, is dude yeah i mean i guess into we'll kind of get started with wrapping things up here yeah. but as far as uh if, if you're a a young guy in this sport maybe you're a college angler now and or you're working your way through that and and you your dream is chasing stuff with a camera i mean that's your creative mm -hmm. passion that's what you want to do what's your i guess advice for folks at that stage a from a gear perspective on on that kind of stuff and then b how to maybe get that first gig how to how to get broken in into the industry from that perspective okay um so the biggest the best piece of equipment you have is in your pocket or whatever whatever you're watching this on right now it's your cell phone like you can do so much with an iphone it's crazy these days like the camera on it is awesome like and the biggest thing is if you want to get into a gig you have to research the gig you have to like live and die by it whatever it is so like if you want to get into real estate start watching youtube videos on real estate sorry my girlfriend just scared me on this podcast sorry she scared the crap out of me up. you were ready to go <laughs> yeah she popped up over the banister like a gremlin she got me uh, <laughs> um, so good all right now that, now that my heart's racing <laughs> um, uh, so if you want to start in the industry, YouTube is your best friend. Um, so I would treat it like Google. So when I was in college, I would go on YouTube every single night when I was done with classes and I would type in how to do this transition in Premiere Pro, how to shoot B-roll, how to do this. Like I didn't have a camera yet and I was still doing everything off of a GoPro and I was trying to learn like, what are the best GoPro settings? What are the best GoPro settings for this? Like, how do I shoot B-roll? How do I do transitions? How do I edit? How do I do this? Like, I would treat it like a search bar. I would just go into YouTube, type in whatever I wanted to learn. And I made it a point yeah. to every single night I came home, I'd watch one video to try to learn one new skill. So over the course of six months, I learned a ton of new skills. I learned how to get so much better. And I looked at a video that I edited at the beginning of that and at the end of that, and it was completely different. Like, so the biggest thing is do your research, look up the best things, go on Amazon reviews. If you're going to get any piece of equipment, go down to the reviews, look through all of the reviews, look at YouTube reviews, like make sure that what you're getting is going to be worth it because like, it's not easy. Like camera gear is not cheap. So like right. you can start with your phone, find the best settings with your phone, film things like that. And then if you want to expand and get into something different, um, that's when you would, uh, really try to uh like research what what what's the next level because you can't jump in and go all crazy with um like you can't go buy five thousand dollars with a camera gear right off the bat and right. you don't have to like so yeah. i my first real estate gig i bought a 600 camera and i had no idea what i was doing with it but i kept looking at videos like okay this is how you film a real estate video and so I would go, go around and film this real estate video with my first two real estate gigs. I was like, okay, like I got to figure out how to make more money doing this. And so I was like, how do, how do I do that? Uh, how do I make more money? I was like, well, if I had a drone, I could offer a drone package. So then I got a, I ended up saving up a couple more gigs later, got a drone. And I was like, okay, well now I got to get my drone license. So I spent my entire spring break in college 
studying to take this test. I got an 82 on it, which like you had, had to have a 70 to pass. And it is like the guy said, most people don't make over like a 75. So I was like stoked that I like actually passed it with flying colors. It's like, okay, cool. Like I missed two, two or three questions on the test. And yeah. so I got my drone license. So I was certified to f- fly and do commercial stuff, basically make money with a drone is what you get with your part 107. So then, um, started doing the drone stuff and then like basically you just have to build up like i've been building my camera gear for the past six years like and i still don't have the best i still don't even have close to the best but like the biggest thing is it's not about the gear it's not about the equipment it's about the story you tell with whatever you've got to tell it with there's a reason that there's so many podcasts out there that's filmed off the webcam on your phone or whatever like you don't have to have great audio and all this stuff like it's about the story there's a reason guys like Bradley Hallman, when he was starting out with, with all of his GoPro footage and everything like that, like he was telling a story and building a brand with just a GoPro. And you can do that too. Like, and and it's not dated. It's not like, Oh, you can't like, yeah, you can't go, go around with like a super, super old camera that films in like 720 or something like that. But if you can find something like your, most people's phones these days is plenty enough to start filming, filming content. And so like going out and getting that gig, it's all about just hitting people up and being confident. Like if you can be like, Hey, I really want to learn. I'm, I'm out here like try, trying to do, I'll, I will do this for you. And like, I, and you got to over promise or sorry, under promise and over, over deliver. <laughs> backwards on that. Um, but you really do have to over deliver uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. So like you, you go in be like, Hey man, I'm a beginner. Like I'll do this for free. I'll, I'll, I'll do this for whatever, like in exchange for a couple baits or whatever it is. Like if you're trying to film in the fishing industry or something like that, like, Hey, let's work together. I want to help you grow your brand. Like I looked at your social media. I think I can make it better. I can be that person that helps to make it better. Um, just give me a chance and try. And then we can try to work on a contract later. And like, so that's where, you have to do those things. And like, until you get that experience is where you can be like, okay, I've done this, this, and this for these clients. Like, this is why I want you to sign a contract right now before we even start working together. Like you have to build up to that point. Like it can't, you can't just start off the bat and be like, Hey, I want a thousand dollars a day and I'm going to film it off my iPhone. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work that way, but you can build that reputation. Like, so I was working for a coffee company on the road and I was had nothing to do with like going and filming. Like my technical job wasn't to film for black rifle. I was serving coffee, but through that I was meeting all these connections of people that I could film for people that I could do work with people that are on the front lines of the industry. I mean, the elite series is the front line. That's the face. That's the face Mm -hmm. of the industry as far as like tournament fishing goes. And so I was talking to all these people on the front lines and like, that's how, if you can be a personable person, if you can talk, like I noticed, like there's a lot of camera guys out there that are not personable, will not talk to people. They very, very introverted. And that's okay. You can be an introverted camera guy and film, but as far as filming in the outdoor industry, like it's really important to be able to be personable and be able to talk to people because like, if you can't talk to them and they can't talk to you, you can't tell their story properly because if you don't have that communication, like I've noticed in so many projects I've done, everybody I've worked with, I've had a very close connection. I got, got along with them well. And it really helped that I fished to understand the story of telling a fishing story. Like Kyle does a great job 
and he was a wedding wedding videographer before and he told a completely awesome story with Brandon and they make it work because they have a good relationship. Like you don't have to fish to be a good fishing videographer at all. Like Kyle, right. Kyle's a prime example of that. But then being able to just understand and have that communication barrier or not barrier, but like that relationship on how you can talk is the story comes out so much better. Like when I've worked with clients in the past that I didn't really enjoy, like it shows in the footage. It shows in the, in the, I felt like I was just like slapping it together, but like guys that I've done, like the stuff that I care about, like all the stuff I've done with cast, like that's some of my best work because it's the people that care about me, the people I care about. I care about the product. I believe in the product. And like those real estate gigs, I, I, I was like, I was doing it for money. I didn't really care about it, but like you have to like put, as long as your passion is in it and you care about it, the product's going to come out good. But if it's not, you got to be careful because it's not going to come out as good as you want it to. If you don't have that good relationship with that person, it's like, it's not going to work out long-term. Like it might work out short-term and it might, might be okay, but like you have to put that passion into it. You have to like what you're doing. You have to go out and do it. And, and it's like all these anglers are talking to the younger generation of high school and college anglers. They're like, you literally have to live, think, breathe fishing like you do. And that's with anything you do these days. Like you can't be so distracted with every, everything else and be like, oh, I'm going to half-ass this video thing. I'm going to half-ass fishing. I'm going to half-ass this. Like you have to go into it all in 100% and like really give it your all. Because every time I've tried to dip my toes all over the place, like it, it's crazy. It doesn't, doesn't work Dude, out. Yeah. That that's been my, my biggest goal and theme for 2024 is simplifying because I'm, I'm a self-employed guy, right? Like, and I have been yeah. for this last, uh, really two years. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, like that thought process is like in, in my head, right. I'm always like, okay, how can I turn this into a revenue stream? How can I turn this into a revenue stream and fishing and real estate and all these different things and podcast. And it's just like, man, <clears throat> you spread yourself just too thin, right? Uh, on some yeah. stuff. So it's like, you really like my biggest goal for 2024 is to cut out and slow down on things that don't bring me joy or, um, you know, on a straight return standpoint, isn't as much of a return for what I'm trying to do and something that I love. Right. And so, exactly. so I'm just kind of, uh, I, I totally agree with you that you can, you can overwhelm yourself in, in situations that are independent contractors, like we are where you just do so many different things. And it's like, man, realistically, anyone who's done something great, what do they do? They buckle down on one thing. Like they, they, exactly. they, and I'm not saying to necessarily just do that, but like there's a, there's something to be said for like getting after it in one discipline, you know, or, or exactly. at least limiting those to me. Exactly. Like you gotta, you gotta go all in. And I know it's, it's kind of all over the place with me being like, you gotta have a, a couple of clients, but like all my clients line up, with the end goal right. of making that doing. happen. Like, yeah, if you have, if I had was filming 10 weddings this year, but then I was filming 10 things for the electronics company. And then I was filming like all the opens, like it gets crazy trying to do all of those different things. But since they're all in the same ecosystem, like the opens, the elites and like working with sonar pros, like they're all in the same industry. They're all in the same direction. Totally. All the contents in the same mindset. I'm in the same mindset when I'm editing it. That's a big thing. Is like if I had to go from editing a wedding to editing a term- tournament film, like it's a completely off switch. Like you have to figure out how to find that balance of, of that. But like 
the nice thing is having everything kind of in the same basket in a way, like it helps the flow so much better. You help, you get so much better in that industry because you're dive, like putting all your energy into that industry. So, totally. and then like it helps being, being an angler, being super, super fan of the sport, like yeah. watching Bass Live all day while I'm editing a tournament film. Like it helps having yeah. that inspiration, always listening to podcasts when I'm on the road, especially that uh, there's this one podcast called Serious Angler. It's really good. You yeah. Check yeah. Check out. that one out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, it's, it's huge to be involved in the industry you're after. So if you want to be the best real estate videographer there is, you have to listen to real estate podcasts. You have to understand real estate. You have to talk to realtors. You have to talk to lenders. You have to get in the space. You have to talk to home builders. You have to really just get into that industry and understand that industry. And like, like I said, YouTube's your best friend. Go, go look at there's endless, endless. Dude, videos YouTube, it is, it is my favorite thing about living in 2024, if you will, is that like I can do and learn anything on YouTube that anything. I feel like it, it, it is quite literally absurd. And I really like your approach of break this down into one video a night. Like if you're trying to learn a yep. new skill, whatever it may be, like one video a night, like, and, and it's just, uh, it is my, it is my preferred way to learn with anything there is. I think in, in, unless you're going, this is just a personal opinion, unless you're going into college, um, for a, uh, professional degree, meaning engineer, doctor, yeah. I don't know, accountant, whatever it may be. Like to me, you can learn almost everything else on YouTube right now. And, and I'll never, yeah. I'll never take back my college experience. Like the social aspects of college, super important 100%. to me. And I loved it. And I learned so much about uh, presenting myself well, right. And, and networking and whatever else. But that is, is such a changing thing to me that like, I'm just so confident in how powerful YouTube is. If you have the discipline to learn, like, dude, anything is a bit like you, you pick something you can you can learn about it on youtube yeah for sure and like that was like the biggest thing in college was learning like i did not go to film school i didn't go to learn video i didn't go to learn like cin cinematography or any, any of that stuff like yeah, i went yeah. to college i started out as a nutrition major uh, uh -huh. obviously not not <laughs> didn't work out and then uh ended up natural resource management for a semester and then yeah. that didn't work out because i liked fish and it was not the same thing it was like i was like oh i could be a game warden or something no it yeah. wasn't and so i ended up switching to entrepreneurship in my sophomore yeah. year and i was like okay so my my entire family has all started businesses my dad and all his brothers have all started businesses and i was like okay this is a good baseline i was like okay so if i get a general business degree like everybody says to do I go get this degree, learn how to start a business. And then on the side is when I was learning my craft, like what's my actual business going to be. And that's when I was learning video. That's when I was learning all this stuff on YouTube. And like the biggest thing with the YouTube search thing is ask yourself a question and type that question into YouTube. Like it'd be like, Oh dang, man, I, I don't know how to format a reel to where it doesn't look super grainy on Instagram. Type mm. in why does my reel look grainy on Instagram? how to make a clear clearest export settings for Instagram, something like that. And then boom, you find your answer. It's, it's 90% of the time it's going to be there. And so like, that's the biggest thing is just know that your answers are there. You just got to go get them. Mm -hmm. Dude. Yeah, no, 
I love it, man. I think this is chock full of, of great advice for not only folks interested in videography and photography in the outdoor industry, but just in general on, on, on getting things done in life on, on YouTube sure. and, and staying after it as an entrepreneur. So, um, man, with that, I think we'll wrap things up. I think it was a great show, Clint. I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, dude, with, with, uh, all you have going on, obviously your Instagram handle right there. We'll, uh, we'll link that in the show description and everything else, but how can, uh, how can folks follow along with all that, that you've got going on? Uh, yeah. So basically I am Instagram heavy. So everything that I've got going on is on C Bartlett Bo right there on Instagram. And then I've got a small business page that I'm, I tried to start up, but it hasn't been very active. Bartlett outdoors is the name of my business. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, you can shoot me a message. I'm very active on Instagram. So shoot me a DM if you have any questions about video, entrepreneurship, fishing, anything. Uh, and then that's the best best way to get a hold of me. So. I love it. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, dude, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy Texas. And, uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you down the road here somewhere. I plan on being at the Classic. So if you're there, we'll certainly have to uh, connect sure. and, uh, and have a good time. So. We will. Thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Take it easy.